0: Hey, good morning, Hope Hale. Let's rise up to this place. Gary's gonna lead us. Let's sing this out. No other hiding place. Our hope is safe within your name. This we
1: know, this we know never to forsake what you began you will for sustain this we know this we know
0: This morning with worship and prayer in a way that uh, hopefully makes you proud, God, we honor you today, knowing that you're in the heavens and we are here on the earth. And as it says in your Lord's prayer, we start off uh, just declaring that where you are is uh, is a perspective change for us. God, um, may we revere you today in a way where we respect you, maybe in ways we never have before may we uh, be reminded again and again and again that you are so near and so dear um, in ways that you never have been before. Today, God, uh, the one who's made the universe and the galaxies and the heavens and the stars, you've put the moon and stars in place, as it says in Psalm 8. And the same God that knows the number of hairs that are on our head, as it says in Psalm 139. So God, uh, for being great big and so very small, we worship you this day and ask your presence as we continually worship you and be reminded that as we call upon you, so much is possible. In Jesus' name, we all pray and say, amen. Hey, glad you're here today, everybody. Uh, I'm Billy. I'm your worship pastor here at Hope Vale. And uh, so glad you've taken time to just honor God in your worship today and in your seeking of him. So, um, want you to take just a second, if you will. um, And it is flu season, from what we hear. We're still doing fist bumps around here, or air fives, or elbows, or just hi, how are you? Good morning, or or a handshake, whatever you like. Do that, and we'll see you back in a second.
2: All right. Well, good morning, Hopevale. My name is Amber Neeling. I am the Welcome Ministries director here at Hopevale Church. And I just wanted to throw out a huge warm welcome to anyone who is here for the first time at Hopeville today and I wanted to let you know that if you have not done so already if you would like to go out into the lobby after service go to our welcome desk which is the half circle in the middle of the lobby and we have an awesome gift for you these are kind of new just rolling out so it's a really cool gift um it's an acrylic tumbler And it has some information about Hopevale inside with this little brochure. Just a little bit about who we are, some things that we have to offer, and how you can get involved a little bit more. It also has some pretty special gifts in here like free donut and coffee coupons, which is like awesome, right? So yeah, and you can even use them today or next week when you come back, hopefully. So um, there's some cool gifts. So be sure to go and stop by and get one of these. Um, They're brand new, they're really awesome. So again, just thank you so much for being here. We want to let you know that we value you, that we love you, and we really want you to be a part of our family. So, thank you very much. So, at this time, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and um, if you would just join me, and let's pray for the offering. Dear Lord, thank you so much, God, just for um, everything that you've done for us, Lord, for the awesome, amazing blessings that you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that we can just count those blessings every single day, in every single way. and. God, we just um, we know that you love a cheerful giver, and we just pray that today as we go through the offering that you'll just change our perspective a little bit about, about the fact that it's not an obligation, it's an opportunity that we get to give. And it's not that we have to give, but that we get to give. So we just pray, Lord, that whatever is given today, that you will bless it, that you will use it in an enormous capacity, and we know that you will, Lord. We just thank you for this opportunity to come together today to worship you. And we just pray that our hearts be fully on you today, Lord, and that you will just um, bless everybody sitting in these seats today. We love you so much, Lord, in your name. Amen.
0: Day when I will see the face of Him who ransomed me. I'll fall in worship. of worship, would you have a seat? Let's turn our hearts together toward uh, communion this morning. We at Hope Vale like to take communion once a month together, and we do this uh, to honor the Lord Jesus and what he's done for us. So we just got done singing those lyrics, right? Oh, wondrous day when I will see the face of him who ransomed me i fall in worship at his feet and rise to reign eternally with a grace so glorious. How powerful. Makes you forget about what you're going to go have for lunch, right? Yeah. Let's spend some time forgetting about your schedule and your calendar and your finances and your, your problems and uh, don't leave them at the door but bring them in. lay them at the foot of the cross today as we take communion and ask that god work in those things but don't let those things be your first and foremost thing let's let our first and foremost thing be a grateful heart for the eternity that we're going to have because what we face today is just temporary so as your pastoral staff we like to just uh, go through a few logistical items about Uh, communion and taking that together we want to say that membership is not required we say that uh, the only requirement is that you be a a Christian and a follower of Jesus and if that's not you today um, we just ask that let you let the cup pass you by Uh, no judgment here some Christians let the cup pass by and the bread pass by when we take communion because maybe sometimes they just um, you don't feel ready in your heart or uh, it's just been a week where you've just not been honoring God or Whatever. So feel free to let the, the cup and the bread pass you by today. Uh, certainly, no judgment there. And parents, please, please use discretion uh, if your kids are here with you today. And so, this is the gospel story, friends, the story of our faith. God made the heavens, and God made the universe, and He made mankind, and He asks certain things of us, and we failed. And because there's a balance to right and wrong, um, God made it so that his son Jesus would balance that out. And we didn't have to do that. So Jesus made that happen on the cross. So that's why we celebrate communion. And that's why we can sing of a wondrous day when we'll see the face of him who ransomed me. And so where does that leave us now? It leaves us with a gift. It leaves us with a free gift of life and salvation and the eternity in heaven should we choose to accept that gift you know for a lot of us uh who maybe aren't aren't on the other side of faith yet where we call ourselves a believer you know getting past the God part is pretty tough um to believe in God much less believe than there's a Jesus and a Holy Spirit and all those other things that um faith groups talk about and Christians talk about so um There's an answer to questions, gang. I just want to remind us that we'll never have this side of heaven. There's there's answers we just won't get. But there will come a day when we will know, and I kind of wonder if it'll matter anyway. But what I can tell you for sure is that God is so much more than a belief, God is an experience. I don't claim to know how God moves or works in your life. And all I know today is today could be your day where you experience God today in a powerful way. Maybe you already have in our worship time. And uh, today's a day where you say, you know what, God, I want to take a step of faith and say that uh, I believe in you. I believe in what you did and your story. And I've heard enough, not just today, but through my days to know that uh, Jesus really did what he said he did. And um, I'm grateful. And maybe today's your first day to take communion. And I would love to hear that if it is. Our pastors would love to hear that. Pastor Adam's back on the bass guitar. Pastor Dan's going to be speaking today. We would love to hear that if that's, that's a first time for you today. God would be so very honored by your choice if that was it. So, and if not, we hope that uh, you, if you're not on the other side of faith, we hope that this time of communion is a time where you can just be another step closer to the things of God and the things of Christ in your life. So, ushers, if you would come forward, we will prepare to take the bread Today, for those of us taking communion today we come with a heart and um, asking God to continue to change us and mold us into being more like who he is because of all that he's done for us through Jesus we're in this forging change series and today's sermon is called forging change is worth it and so as a reminder for us today God thought you were worth it is it worth it for us to just spend some time and get our heart right worth it for us to eat the bread and take of the cup in a manner that God would find worthy, where we honor him honor Jesus through his sacrifice he's so worth it so let's do that together, communion and uh, our Christian lives are a personal thing, but not private, right that's why he has us take communion in a setting like we're doing today let's pray together So, God, uh, we thank you for the story of Jesus that really should have been our story. Someone whose body was broken and took the pain for our sake. The book of Isaiah says that your stripes by your stripes, we are healed. And by you taking on punishment, we were set free and we're grateful for that. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Amen. Usher, you can go ahead and pass out the bread. We'll just take a few moments to just be still in our heart while we have these pieces of bread passed out. So this bread represents the body of Christ and Luke chapter 22 says and the Lord took bread he gave thanks and he broke it passed it out and said to his followers said, this is my body broken for you eat this in remembrance of me and so Lord we remember you today that your body was not only broken but your blood was spilled out out for me and for all mankind. And sometimes in communion, God, while you died a gruesome, horrible death, there were a lot of people that faced Roman crucifixion and died a same death. And I can't imagine going through that myself, but oftentimes the part that gets me when I take communion is that The Bible says that you descended into hell when you died and you were there for three days and you bore the weight of the sin of the world on your shoulders. All of it. The heaviness for me and for everybody in this room and for everybody in all of time Lord Jesus. We're grateful for that today. We're grateful in Jesus name. Amen. Ushers, you can go ahead and pass out the cup when you're ready. We're going to sing a song that's been out for a little while. And uh, I have to tell you, this song got me through a couple of real pickles in my life. And it's become such a song of worship for me now, such a song of praise. I don't have time to share all my story, but I just have time to say that God has been there my whole life. And God has been there your whole life too. He's the same God that has created everything around us as we prayed earlier today. And he's the same God that, that, made, uh, that knows the numbers of hairs that are on your head. It's an encouragement that oh, even my life changes and even the, your lives change. Um, God does not change. He's the same today and forever. Aaron, you can start our our track here. So in this song, we, we're reminded that God never changes. If you were here last week, I referenced a lighthouse in worship and I was talking about how you know, when there's a lighthouse and you see this picture, this motivational picture, where there's a lighthouse standing strong amidst these waves that are just smashing and crashing around it. And um, we're reminded that, the, like, the waves are like our lives. And, you know, whether we have to ride the good wave or the bad wave, we're riding it. <laughs> and But God doesn't change, which is the beautiful part of all of it. And he's like the lighthouse, and he remains strong. And what a great reminder for us today as we worship an unchanging and ever loving God who loves us through his son, Jesus, and this master plan that he's had for all of time. And so let's be a thankful people as we hold the cup today and thank the Lord for his goodness and we'll continue to worship together. So this cup, in Luke chapter 22 says, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup by saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you and you and you. Drink. Lord, we're so grateful to spend time in this meal and what a beautiful setting for communion Lord Jesus the way you plan this out to say this represents me and this represents me and it's a time of coming together today on a Sunday where we come in this meal to sit at a proverbial table and just be together and worship you and experience you and and enjoy each other and God isn't that your great commandment where you told us in, Ch- in Matthew to just love you and love each other I pray that uh, life can sometimes be that simple where we just spend time loving you and loving each other. So for uh, a day where we're trying to be changed and molded more into the likeness of who you are, we give you our attention today and ask God that you bless Pastor Dan in the words of his mouth, that they would give you praise and that you would have a word for us today that we could uh, live for you in a greater way. Thank you, Lord, for this time of communion, this time of worship. It's in Jesus' name we all pray and say together. Amen. God bless you, again.
3: Good morning. good morning. Great to share. Just powerful and personal worship with all of you. I want to extend a special welcome to those of you worshiping with us in Bay City. Week three, so far so good. Got a lot of great reports of what's happening there so far. Yeah. Now, for those of you in Saginaw, we've had uh, around mid-200s both weeks. It's been going great and just looking forward to the momentum that God has building there. Well, today we're going to wrap up our January message series entitled Forging Change. Forging Change. And as we've seen in this series, God is for your change. You need to know that God is for your change. And what a great promise for us to have in the new year that God is for your growth. He is for your transformation. He is fully committed to help you become the best possible version of the person he's created you to be. And so you need to know that you are not alone in pursuing whatever kind of positive change you want to see happen in your life that's in accordance to his will. Okay, you catch that? Change that's in accordance to his will. So, for instance, God is with you as you try to get a better handle on your finances so long as your finances don't get a bigger handle on you. And God is with you as you try to improve your marriage so long as you're willing to do your part to be part of the change as well. See, God is not so much interested in bettering your circumstances. No, he's more interested in changing your life. And he will do whatever it takes to make that happen. And that's why this series is called Forging Change, because there are certain things in our lives where the only way God can bring about genuine, meaningful, and lasting change is to use the heat of adversity and the hammer of trials the heat of adversity, and the hammer of trials. It's like we saw last week in Proverbs 17, verse 3, where King Solomon, the wisest man in his day, made this observation. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. The Lord tests the heart. That as the pressure builds in our lives, as the heat gets turned up, our God, the master blacksmith, uses trials to melt us, mold us, shape us, purify us, refine us, to change us for the better. He can and he will if we let him, right? If we let him. Yeah, it is hard to be in the furnace. I'm not denying that. But hard doesn't always mean wrong. No, sometimes being in the furnace of trials is exactly where we need to be. And so when we find ourselves in the fiery furnace of trials, that instead of thinking that God doesn't care, we need the eyes of faith to see that his willingness to let us go through those trying times is proof that he has our best in mind, that God has our best in mind. So even though we might not understand why all this is happening to us at the time, we need to trust in him that there's still more that he wants to do in us and for us. Like I've said in this series, yes, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So for the truth for every Christian is this, that because of Jesus and his salvation, we are changed. We are changed instantaneously, immediately. That is the blessing of salvation. And yet as God continues to work in our lives through his Holy Spirit and our hard circumstances, we are changing still. And that's what we've looked at so far in this series when it comes to change. That the good news is that change is possible, right? And we got to believe that. That change is possible. And yet the not so good news is that change is also hard. It's hard. So don't buy the lies of our culture that promise shortcuts, quick fixes, and three easy steps when it comes to change. No, God forging change in us is really really hard. It is anything but comfortable when we're in the furnace and none of us are going to be spared from it. And so like I said last week, to hold on when life gets hard, we need to cling to God's promises. We need to cooperate with God's purposes. We need to connect with God's people. That's why being part of a church family with encouraging Christian friendships is so important that it's often the difference, right? between why some people hang on and press ahead in the midst of their trials while others give up and bail out. And so today as we wrap up, one other aspect of change I want us to look at that you need to know is this, that change is possible, change is hard, but change is worth it, right? The good news is change is possible. The bad news is change is hard, but the needed news is that change is worth it. Holding on to our faith in Jesus Christ as God forges his change to make us the kind of people he wants us to be is worth whatever test, whatever trial, whatever adversity, whatever suffering that we have to endure in this one life we're given. It is worth it. It really is. And you need to know that in your heart of hearts today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. The change that God wants to bring in our lives as he heats us up and hammers us out is worth it all. Now, I realize that's easy to say, in the safety of a place like this, and at a moment like this, coming off some powerful worship together. And so it's one thing, right, to hear, hang in there, keep on going, don't give up, it's worth it, in the locker room before the game. But it's another thing to live that out on the battlefield of competition, right? And that's how rough life can get. And so how do we stay motivated? How do we keep a right perspective, God's perspective, when the trials out there try to overwhelm us and everything within us wants to give up. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And to do so, we're going to look at some words written 2,000 years ago to a group of Christians who were wondering the exact same thing. These words are found in the New Testament book of James. James. James was one of the key influential leaders at the beginning of the Christian church back in the first century. And get this, James was also the younger brother of Jesus. Did you know that? that James is the younger brother. Now imagine that, right? following Jesus, right, you go to school, and the teacher goes, James, James, oh yeah, I had your older brother, Jesus, and you're like, great, right, I mean, right, big sandals to fill, trust me, right? Well, James must not have been too scarred from that experience because he went on to eventually lead and pastor Christians in the key city of Jerusalem after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And so James, speaking in this position of high authority, writes this letter of encouragement to a group of displaced Christians who are scattered throughout the Mediterranean world who are facing persecution. In the midst of trials, poverty because of their faith. In other words, these believers were smack dab in the middle of the furnace. And so to encourage them in the midst of their fiery trials, James writes this. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, if this is your first Sunday with us in this series, or if you didn't have any other context for this passage before you read these words, you would think this is just total insanity, right? Completely nuts. That as you face trials of many kinds, right? Trials come in all shapes and sizes, right? Deception, rejection, depression, betrayal, sickness, separation, job loss, you name it. That as you're going through it, especially when it's tied to your Christian faith, you're supposed to think, what? You're supposed to consider it pure joy? I mean, that just sounds like crazy talk, doesn't it? Now, promotion, yeah, that's pure joy. A celebration, a graduation, relational reconciliation, working through a conflict, that's pure joy too. But facing trials of many kinds, we're supposed to consider that pure joy? I mean, there's got to be a reason why James commands us to do so. And Thankfully, there is, verse 3, verse 4, because, why consider it pure joy? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, there's a lot in this passage we're going to, uh, you know, pick apart. But before we dive into this further, I want to say something first about trials in general, okay? And the different reasons why trials come about in our lives. Because it's not always the same. Now let me be clear. I'm not God. His ways are so much higher than mine. So I can't tell you I know all this for certain. But based on my understanding of Scripture, based on my personal observation as I've gone through life, trials happen to us, I think, for these three reasons. At least, right? God initiates them. God allows them. And we self-inflict them, right? God initiates them, God allows them, and we self-inflict them. God initiates them, that in his sovereign wisdom, just at the right time, God brings challenging situations into our lives, and he does so for a greater purpose that we can't fully understand at the time. Now, you actually see this, right? You see this with Jesus and his disciples as they are following him. So they're by the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus looks at them and says, hey, guys, uh, why don't we go for a boat ride? And they're like, yeah, sure, great, you know? But Jesus has something else in mind, right? That he takes them through the mother of all storms to teach them a lesson about his power over all creation and how he is able to still the storms both literally and figuratively, right? So God initiates them. Second, God allows them. This is the story of Job, from the Old Testament. God allows Job to suffer. It's also the story of Jesus when he is tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Now, the Bible is clear, right, that God himself does not tempt us. The Bible is clear that God himself does not initiate any kind of evil. He's incapable of that, right? Nor does God take pleasure in our suffering And yet, in his good providence, as we live in a fallen, sin-cursed world that is inhabited by a spiritual adversary, where evil things do happen, God allows trials to happen to us. And then third, we self-inflict them, right? Some trials that we are in are just self-inflicted by our choices, right? Negative consequences through poor, disobedient, rebellious choices, right? You need to understand that. Now, this is where people get confused. So let me explain this, right? Jesus forgives the guilt of our sin completely. Jesus forgives the guilt of our sin completely, but he does not remove the consequences of our sin entirely. The guilt is, right, forgiven, taken away. That's what the cross and the resurrection are all about. But the consequences, no, they're not always removed entirely. See the difference? And so sometimes we're to blame. We create our own adversity. And so the trials we experience happen for at least these three reasons, right? God initiates them. God allows them. We self-inflict them. But whatever the cause might be, whatever the cause might be, God is able to take those trials and he is able to use them for our good, That's what James is trying to tell us. So back to chapter 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, for whatever reason they happen, why verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, right? So trials, right? Trials lead to testing. Testing. Testing leads to greater perseverance and a stronger faith. And then that perseverance, what? Leads to maturity, spiritual maturity, maturity in Christ and wholeness or completeness. This is how God forges genuine, lasting, meaningful change in our lives. It's interesting that the word that James uses here for testing comes from the same Greek word back in the first century that's used to describe the refining of gold and other precious metals, right? that under normal conditions, you can't always tell with the naked eye whether something is real or counterfeit, right? Valuable or worthless. it's only when you throw it into the furnace, right? Into the crucible that the true character is revealed. And don't you think real life's kind of like that too? I mean, everyone's able to be a good Christian when things are going their way, right? And all's right with the world. Everyone's able to be a great parent, A great spouse, when everyone's happy in the home, right, and there are no waves, when the heat gets turned up, when the waves get higher, throw in some adversity, dig beneath the glittery surface, and you begin to find out what everyone's made of. And so God uses these trials to reveal to us where we are presently in our spiritual progress, to show us how far we still have to go. That God uses trials and he exposes those places in our heart where there is both gold and gunk, where are both the spiritual and the selfish, where we are both God-dependent and self-reliant. You know, that's exactly what happened to Peter and his three denials after the arrest of Jesus, right? exposed so far to go. And so when we go through testing, it's not always going to be pretty. And yet if we are humble enough, if we are teachable enough, God can use those tests to produce what? What does James say? To produce perseverance in us. Perseverance, patience, endurance, strength. Where we no longer will at the first sign of trouble. Now I'm going to be careful how I say this next statement. But I think we live in a day and age where passion is overrated and perseverance is underrated. Passion is overrated and perseverance is underrated. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to see our church filled with Christians who are all in and sold out for God, right? Men and women who don't just go through the motions, but their hearts are fully alive and completely engaged for God. And so there is a place for fire. There is a place for emotion in the Christian faith. But As someone who, by the grace of God, has walked with Jesus for a while now, has pastored in this place for over two decades, I've seen some very passionate people, right, flare up and flame out. Flare up and flame out. They are like the rocky ground people Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower from Matthew 13, verse 20. Look at how Jesus describes people like this. But the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once they receive it with joy, right? Sprout up right away. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So exciting at the beginning but it doesn't last. Sad but true. And I bet many of you here know people like that in your lives, right? People who were once so on fire for God, so on fire that it kind of put you to shame. But when the trouble came, when the testing began, what was so shiny on the outside turned out to be so shallow on the inside. Passion is great, but passion isn't enough. You and I also need God to build perseverance into our lives, and the way that he does that is through the testing of our faith. Why? So we can come out stronger on the other side. Now, like I said before, it's not always going to be pretty. Well, our faith is being tested. It's not. Why? Because trials stretch us to the limit. So the thoughts we think, the feelings we feel, the words we say... It's not always going to be clean and pure and filtered when we're going through it. But you know what? When it comes to perseverance, it's not about style points. It's about survival. It's about trusting God and holding on to him when life gets hard. That is the nature of perseverance. Look at how the Apostle Paul describes it in Romans chapter 5. Verse 3, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. There again, on the surface, looks totally crazy. But Paul says we glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So do you see the chain of spiritual progression there? Suffering, when we rightly respond to God, produce, produces perseverance in us. And that perseverance produces character that somehow, way. Right? We need to get to the point in our lives where we value character over comfort. Character over comfort, where obedience is more important to us than convenience. Godly character, right? And then that character in turn produces hope. Hope that God is still at work in us, changing us, growing us, refining us, transforming us, conforming us more and more into the image of Jesus. We need to follow the chain of spiritual progression. That's why we can glory in our sufferings. That's why we can count it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. Let's go back to James chapter four, verse one. One more thing I want to show you here. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance is a great quality to have, but it leads to something even greater. What does it say here? Let it finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete. Spiritually mature, spiritually complete. That's where God is taking you. Anyone ever ask you, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? You ever hear that question? Well, here's your answer. Here's your answer, at least from a Christian perspective. We grow up to be spiritually mature. We grow up to be spiritually complete. I don't know about you, but I would love to get to the place in my life where my desires actually line up with God's desires all the time, right? In every area of my life, marriage, family, work, church, finances, fitness, fun, everything, right? And my desires would line up with him. And then not only that, but I get to this place of wholeness where what I feel is actually consistent then with what I think, what I say, and what I do, Right, that That's the wholeness that's being talked about. I'm not even close to being there yet. I don't think any of us are, but that's what we're shooting for. That's why it's worth it to hang on in the midst of our trials and not give up. God can't do that work in us, teach us those kind of things when times are good. Now, let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, when I just threw out that question, you know, the age-old question, what do you be, what what do you want to be when you grow up? I I wasn't thinking so much vocationally, right? That's how people usually ask the question, work, job, career, profession, things like that. That's a spiritual question. What or who do you want to be when you grow up? But in light of everything we've talked about, I think there's an even more basic question to ask, right? The question is this, do you want to grow up? Do you want to grow up? Do you want to progress in your faith? Are you willing to let God do his forging work in you no matter the cost so he can bring about genuine, meaningful, and lasting change in your life? Is that really what you want or do you want to just keep on having your own way all the time where a comfortable life is more important than a changed life? Do you want to grow up? See, following Jesus in this lifetime, going through this sanctification process of transformation that we've been talking about in this series means answering this question with a yes. Yes, I want to grow up, and yet it's not just a one-time decision, but it's something we keep coming back to throughout our lifetime over and over again, that when every single trial comes our way, big or small, long-lasting or brief, faith says, God, I want to grow up. God, I want to change and become more like the person you intend me to be, so I'm going to fix my eyes on you. I'm going to trust you in the furnace as you heat me up. I'm going to trust you on the anvil as you hammer me out. And by your grace, I will persevere. And I will come out stronger on the other side. And so my hope for you, my hope for us as a church, is that we would all want to grow up spiritually. Right, and that in our pursuit of change, we would see through the empty promises of shortcuts, quick fixes, three easy steps, and we would let God do His forging work in us as we trust in Him. And so it starts with the desires we have, but then it also leads to the decisions we make. If you want to see change happen in your life, then what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? See, this is where our ordinary, everyday choices really make a difference so for instance you can talk all you want about being a better parent but if you spend all your time at the office on the road in the gym then nothing's really going to change yes there's such a thing called quality time but quality time flows out of quantity time you don't just get to walk in front of your kids and declare now let the quantity quality time begin right it doesn't work that way and so what is the new choice what is the different choice what is the better choice that you can make for this change to happen Maybe it's you setting a time that you're gonna leave work every day and stick to that leave time as best as you can, no matter what comes. I mean, newsflash, you're not gonna get it done anyways, right, there's always gonna be something left over, so why try? Now, I know there's always an exception to the rule, right, that's fine, that's life in the real world, but don't let the exceptions become the rule. Now, here's where the faith part comes in, right? You, You commit to make a change like that that's for the better, But then you begin to get some blowback. Blowback from your manager. Blowback from your customers. Wondering why you're not working after hours. Wondering why you're not picking up the phone right away when they try to reach you. And see, for the most of us, you know what the comfortable thing to do is? Is to just stay at work. Is to just pick up the phone right away. Why? So no one gets mad at us. So we can keep everyone happy. That's the comfortable thing to do. Everyone happy except the ones who matter most back at home. And I understand, you know, this isn't first century burn Christians at the stake if they don't renounce their faith kind of trial. But when it comes to change, change that comes out of a Christian conviction like this, and pursuing that change produces anxiety and turmoil in us, then yeah, it's a trial. It's a trial, but it's also an opportunity for us to choose character over comfort, to let God build even more perseverance in us as we learn to trust in him. Now, the work versus home dilemma is just one example of a choice we can make. We could talk about others, faith and food and fitness and finances, numerous areas in our lives where we can pursue change and encounter challenges along the way. And with the hundreds of us gathered here today, it's going to look different. It's gonna look different between us, so don't compare yourself to someone else. That comparison is never a good thing. Now, I would just say this, as 2018 begins, we're committed to see change happen in our lives. Here's my encouragement to you, okay? Don't pick everything, just choose something. Don't pick everything, just choose something. If you try to tackle 20 things at once, you're eventually gonna wind up where you started or even worse, right? So narrow your list set goals that are realistic and yet stretching, and they'll put plans into place where you can take specific steps, right? So if you need to work out, don't start by going to the gym seven days a week. If you're wavering your head in debt, just pick one credit card that you're going to try to pay off first. If you're trying to do better in your walk with God, make coming to church on Sundays a greater priority or take a step to join a community group or talk to a leader about serving in their ministry area or just try setting aside five minutes a day To read through a devotional and pray. Whatever it is, just choose something. Commit it to God. Begin with the first step because making change happen is about both the desires we have and the decisions we make. Change is possible. Change is possible. That's the good news. But change also is hard. So don't let the hard discourage you because in the end, change is worth it. It's worth it. Why? Because suffering produces perseverance perseverance produces character. Character leads to hope, a living hope, a greater hope, a stronger hope, a hope that's going to make it worth it all in the end. And that's what James wanted us to know. And so as you and I think about that kind of hope, let me share these final words from James with you. Chapter 1, verse 12. He says this, blessed is the one, blessed Is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Bless you. And we've talked a lot about the journey in this series, right? The journey, the journey of our sanctification, of our growth, of our progressive transformation. But James also says it's about the destination. The destination. It's about who we're becoming in this lifetime and it's about who we will be with in the life to come. Because there is a promise, there is a blessing for those who persevere under trial and stand the test. And what does James call that blessing? He says that we will receive the crown of life. The crown of, now, Bible scholars say that James isn't referring to the royal crown of a king, but rather the olive wreath of a competitor, a champion. It's the recognition given to the athlete who perseveres through the pain and finishes the race. Now, I personally don't think at, you know, the end of time, the Lord's presence, we're going to get a literal, you know, olive wreath. I think it's more symbolic. But I think there will be a glory, there'll be an honor, there'll be a recognition that we're going to experience when we pass from this life into the next, and we are ushered into the presence to spend eternity in heaven with him. A place where the Bible says there is no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, that sin, death, evil, Satan, that Jesus defeated when he rose from the grave will finally be destroyed, fully destroyed, and forever. The light of God's glory will shine forth into every possible square inch of this vast universe. This is where our lives, this is where all of creation, this is where all the cosmos, where all of the history is headed, right? That good will triumph over evil in the end. That is the story. That's the end. But we're not there yet. And so my encouragement to you in the midst of trials and adversity is to hold on, hang in there, don't give up. Resist the temptation to throw it all away when things get really hard. Why? Because it's worth it. That the change that God is working in you is simply preparation for the glory he's going to pour out upon you. That's the hope. So blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you when you persevere under trial. Why? Because when you stand the test, when you make it to the end, you will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those Who love him. And when that time comes, you'll know. You'll know, you'll know that enduring the heat of adversity, enduring the hammer of trials, was worth it in the end. It's gonna be worth it. That's where we're headed. Change is worth it. Let's pray together. And Heavenly Father, I think when it comes to trials, when it comes to adversity, when it comes to suffering, we're in one of three places. We're heading into it, we're smack dab in the middle of it, or we're just coming out of it. And though it may look different for each of us, um, the experience is common. And so we pray, pray for our own lives first, that you would build perseverance in us. Strengthen us, stretch us, refine us, purify us. Maybe the changes we want to see aren't going to happen overnight. They're probably not going to happen overnight. But you are for our change, and so by your grace, we will step forward. And as the heat gets turned up, we'll hold on to you. Because, God, we know that in the end, it's going to be worth it. That there is blessing beyond description for those who persevere under trial, make it to the end, and are in your presence. Lord, our prayers especially are for those here today who can't see beyond a day. Life, adversity, trials have beaten their eyes down. And they can't look up. God, give them the grace to look up, to look ahead, to see your beauty your glory, your power, and to be reminded that the change you are forging in us is worth it all. It's worth it all. Fan the flame of our hope that we will endure to the end. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Let's worship together before we leave and declare this beautiful name in our lives that calls us to change and be more like him. Brittany's going to lead us.
1: we
3: strength and power and love of our Savior. And so in our trials, instead of thinking, how can I get out of this? We need to look to him and watch him take us through it. Amen? Amen. Next week, we are going to celebrate with Bay City and their grand opening and talk about what it means to be one church in two locations. Looking forward to that. It's going to be great. But as you go from here, may you go out in the hope that comes from the beautiful and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Thank awesome.